Hey Atari Hackers, welcome to this week's episode. We were chatting with Mark and trying to figure out what stuff our followers and our listeners were struggling with when it comes to growing their site and building real authority sites, not just slim affiliate sites, right? And one of the topics that came out was email marketing. I mean, when you read about email marketing online and when you read blog posts about it, etc., you're going to keep hearing that it's the best source of traffic and that the money is in the list and it's all amazing, etc. But in actual practice, a lot of like affiliate site owners or like people who start with online marketing tend to really struggle to get it going and understand how they're going to make money from this and how they're going to be building an email list that's big enough to make enough money. So we decided to actually open up a bit and talk more about this. We usually talk way more about SEO and affiliate marketing in general, but email marketing is something that Mark and I have been doing for a really long time. I mean, you probably have seen our product launches, etc. So we are quite well versed in email marketing and we are going to be opening up a little bit on that side of online marketing that we know about more than we usually do. But most importantly, we want to do this from the point of view of someone who just has, you know, a review site ranking on Google and makes money with affiliate marketing. We want to see how you can essentially make that transition and start making money realistically with email marketing rather than just rely on Google. So if you're excited to build a new traffic source and a new source of revenue, I think you should be quite excited about this. However, because this is a pretty large topic, it just doesn't fit into one podcast episode unless we were sitting for like four or five hours just talking with Mark. So what we're going to do is we're going to be kicking off a little series where we're going to be talking about different aspects of email marketing for people who want to transition into it. And this episode is going to mostly focus on capturing leads. And a large part of that episode is going to be focused on opt-in pop-ups because from the experience that we have and from the point of view of someone who receives traffic from Google for quite relevant keywords, it's by far the best way to build your email list. So buckle up because there's going to be a lot of information in this episode. If you enjoy the topic and you're excited for it, then let us know in the YouTube comments because again, it helps us know what you like and what you guys don't like so we can focus more on that. But for now, let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Authority Hacker Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about collecting emails on sites and essentially starting to build a list and the best tactics that have worked for us in the past. And we are going to have a follow-up podcast to this in a couple of weeks. I guess we're going to have an interview in between and we're going to have a follow-up podcast to this that is going to be talking about essentially what to do with those emails you collected, how to monetize them, etc. because it seems to also be a common problem with people. And I think that goes into the idea of diversifying from just having Amazon reviews, etc., which a lot of people should really consider doing. I know it's easy to just queue another review rather than figuring out another monetization method. But if you want to find stability in that kind of business, if you want to sleep at night, if you don't want to be afraid of Amazon commission changes as much as a lot of people are these days, then that's you know the first step towards that. And obviously, to talk to me about this, I have uh, the best guest possible. I have Cookie's back. No, never mind. Mark, how's it going? <laughs> That's the second time you've done this joke in yes. like four days or something. But people were so, not on the live, uh, like wonder, not that many. I wonder how many times you're going to keep reusing it. But uh, that was a good challenge one. Accepting. I didn't expect that. Challenge accepted. <laughs> so to answer the question, how I'm doing or how it's going, it's going good. There's a lot of snow outside and I'm not sure if I can get my car out of my driveway. So yeah. Fun times. Well, at least you have a car. I might, I might have one next week, but let's see. Never mind. Let's talk about collecting emails and not about all your fancy sports cars that you keep teasing people all the time. The reason I'm saying that, by the way, is because let's tell the full story, right? It's like, what do you say in that Taz video? No, 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 no. People have to know. What do you say? <laughs> Mark doesn't have uh, a sports car, by the way. What do you say? I made some joke about having a sports car because like all internet marketers drive Lamborghinis uh, or something like that. It was very, very sarcastic. And uh, <laughs> I guess that kind of went over the top of someone's head and they asked for a refund on the course because they thought I was being... Uh, you were using their uh, money to buy a spot car or something. Yeah, basically. That's it. I, I drive a used Volkswagen. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> Glamorous, you know. But anyway... Yeah, so that, that was funny. Like that was on the one of the refund requests that was last week or something and, and that made me laugh a lot because 
I mean, to, be, to be fair, like anyone just to turn us. this around, just to turn this around, like this is a this is a reason why uh, you can have a lot of faith in our refund policy mm. because <laughs> literally we gave that guy the refund because that was his reason because for you, awarding a refund. You bragged about having a you know? sports car you don't actually have. So basically, yeah. you did the same as every other online marketer. <laughs> classic, classic <laughs> online marketing tactic. Isn't it? So, okay, never mind. Okay, let's talk about collecting emails. People came for that, but like that, I thought that was an interesting story, and people should know. Uh, so if if you're pissed off at, Cal's, at Mark's car, you can also get a refund on our courses. Okay, collecting emails. First of all, we got to talk about what you tell the people to collect their emails. And there's going to be a term that comes up here that you have heard about before, which is a lead magnet. And a lead magnet is a reason for people to give you their email, especially with all the privacy concerns, et cetera. These days, people are more wary of giving their emails. And let's be honest, like I, I think the opt-in rates that I'm observing on stuff that we run these days is lower than it was like five years ago. People are a bit more concerned giving their emails today than they were five years ago. And so... Five years ago, maybe you could get some emails just telling people, hey, join my email list, and people would just join, especially if you're like really sympathetic and not bragging about having fancy cars. I think even even before that, I mean, five years ago, that wasn't a very good It tactic. wasn't very good. Ten, but ten years ago, that was like barely okay. I mean, I remember reading about this, this kind of stuff in, in 2009, and yeah, people were saying, don't just have a subscribe here, that's terrible, it, ra- it rarely works. So you have to give people a compelling reason to opt in, not just, hey, get updates or join my list. There needs to be some kind of content which they can only access through signing up to that email list. It can be content, you could also offer like discounts and stuff if you have a product-based website, but if you're an affiliate, if you have an affiliate website and you don't have anything like that, then some kind of premium content packaged up in some kind of nice nice way. It can be like a PDF, like essentially a blog post turned into a a PDF that you deliver to people. It could be a video, it could be any format really, but just has to be something that that, that someone would would want. Like um, the reason I'm saying is like, I know because I've run it. Like when we started collecting emails on like Health Ambition, for example, the first pop-up was like join our email list and we were getting around 1% of opt-in rate. But these days, if you run something like that, you get less, probably around 0.2 or 0.1 something, you know, like it it would be much, much worse. So you you have to give a a reason to people. And I have like a very simple method to come up with a lead magnet. It's not necessarily going to give you the absolute best, but it's a very easy way to get started. And essentially, I copy list posts that are popular in my niche. Like people like list lead magnets. So like, you know, we, we have some examples. So for example, I put 10 best affiliate marketing tools. Like people would opt in in this niche in Atari, on Atari Hacker if I made a list of 10 best affiliate tools. And also what I like about this is it's very easy to put together. Like I just need to make a list, boom, 10, and people want to know and they opt in for that. Five tactics that you can use today to lose belly fat, for example. Like on health submission, I would run this all day, every day. That would run really well. One of our lead magnets that got over 100,000 opt-ins was 23 juicing recipes for better health and losing weight. And that worked also really well, for example. So lists work really well. And what I like to do to find what I want to make a list about is I go into Content Explorer on Ahrefs and I just type my topic, right? So it, I'd type juicing, for example. And I'd look at like what has the most shares and links and I'd say what is the hottest list basically in my niche. And usually I would do that. But the thing is, like with a lead magnet, it's, you don't give people a PDF with like an article. That's shit, you know. You want something that's a little bit more visual, feels a little bit more produced, and so on. So people are a bit excited. And most importantly, you want your lead magnets to be very fast to consume. Like most people don't even open the lead magnet, right? Very many people get excited about it, and by the time the email gets to their email, <laughs> they really don't care anymore. That's uh, you know the twentieth twenty-first century for you. Twentieth century, no people read books at that time. Anyway, that's basically how you want to do that. And so what I like to do for lead magnets these days, I used to do them on PowerPoint. So I used to make something that looks like a slideshow and then I would export it as a PDF. We would just like quickly scroll through it, like let's say 10 best affiliate tools, you know, one slide per tool, you know, I don't know, like Ahrefs and like uh, ClickMagic, for example, is a really good link tracker. So I'd be putting like the logo, ClickMagic, maybe put like some kind of like italic below, like the best link tracker in the business. And I put like a short description, like one paragraph, and I even put a link like, go check it out. And very often I would make these links an affiliate link. So I would make money with my lead magnets, by the way. Just don't do that with Amazon links. Yes, you're not allowed to do that with Amazon links, but with anything else, you're allowed to do that. And now you can do better than PowerPoint. You can do PowerPoint if you want, but Canva is usually better. And they already have these kind of like slideshow templates. 
And you just need to edit that and it's very, very easy. You can download it after that as a PDF and that's your lead magnet. And it's, you know, you don't need a big piece of content. Don't think that you need to give a lot to people. It's more about snackable content, right? These lists, they are cool because you just flick through it. When there's something that's interesting, you just stop and read it. And then if there's not, you just scroll to the next one and people like that. So that's how you do a modern lead magnet. And uh, I'll probably do a tutorial for Toy Hacker Pro at some point on uh, building Canva lead magnets because it's quite powerful and you can make some really cool stuff using both the presentation templates, but they also have like kind of like slideshow templates for Instagram, things like that. You can export that as a PDF and then use that and it can be a good lead magnet actually. So that's all I have to say on lead magnets pretty much. Anything else you want to say on lead magnets? Uh, no. Okay, so now let's just jump into the bread and butter tactic that's going to be generating easily at least more than half of your emails, even if you run like three or four other tactics. For us, usually this pop this this pop up. Okay, here's the spoiler. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> it's pop ups. Surprise. <laughs> oh god, I'm terrible at this. Anyway, this tactic, yeah, usually generates, you know, 60-70% of emails quite easily. Uh, and yeah, that is pop-ups and people hate pop-ups. I wouldn't say everyone hates them. I would say that every internet marketer who is not using them to collect emails but just surfing the web hates them because <laughs> they just get annoying, right? We, we know what's up, we know why someone's doing this and it just kind of gets in the way. But you are not your audience, so get over yourself and uh, use pop-ups. Pop it's not work. about that, it's like if you provide free content, if I'm spending the time, like we do provide good content on our sites, I'm happy about the content we have on our sites and then we give that to, for free to people and so I feel completely legitimate monetizing my content when I spend the amount of time and money we spend on content. It's like zero remorse doing that. It's like, of course, it's like nothing is 100% free. You don't have to opt in, but like the people who opt in essentially build the resources that I need to keep providing that free content to people. So don't feel bad monetizing your content. Don't feel bad putting call to actions. You're not evil because you're making money. It takes time to build a good website and it takes money. It takes paying people. It takes all of that. So I have no problem putting a pop-up on my content because they work really well in collecting leads and when you're good with your email list, that makes you money. Just to give you an idea of how well they work, when in the early days when we first started Authority Hacker, and remember at the time our audience was much smaller, it was very sort of targeted, people were, were really interested in the, the few specific things we were talking about at the time. But we had categories on the site where we would have 8% opt-in rate, which is insane, like really, really good. And very, very rare you'll get a site like uh, doing that well. I heard one case when someone had 10%. But usually, I mean, even these days, less than 1% is, is quite common. I was going to say, it would be hard for us to replicate today, even if we were in the same conditions. Like it's one of these things where it used to be easier before, you know? Yeah, but just because the opt-in rates are, are low, I mean, even if you have a 0.5% opt-in rate, I mean, most, most websites out there have thousands of visitors of a month, if not per day. But then, uh, so you can really start getting a lot of emails quite quickly. And the value of an email subscriber to any business is infinitely higher than the value of a standard visitor. So it really is something that's worthwhile doing. And if you want to understand how to extract value, we're going to make a full podcast on that in two weeks. Like I'm just repeating it, but there will be another episode to follow up on that. So we don't just tell you to collect emails and you're like, eh, what do I do with my emails? Which is a lot of people who start with email marketing, to be honest. So we're going to talk about that in another episode. It deserves a full episode easily. Before that, though, I, I, have, a, I have a question for you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. regarding opt-in pop-ups, there was some instruction or some guidance from Google several yeah. years ago that said, if you if you put opt-in pop-ups or interstitials or however they phrase it, that was like a negative ranking factor or a potential issue. Like I haven't noticed anything about like any actual impact on that. Have you? Yeah, we've done. Yeah, we've done it. Actually, when they rolled that update, we actually cut it on some sites and then put it back up just to try to see like if rankings would move right. So I wanted to really try to isolate that, so we changed nothing and we just like cut the pop-up, remove like put it back for like thirty days, then put it back and just kind of compare the rankings on some big sites, like sites we're getting a lot of traffic and so on. And then you got this you got this in 2021, this core web vitals update. Well I can't so, tell you what's gonna are happen. Are you a little bit are you a little bit skeptical about that? Well what happened with the pop-ups? Well I can tell you is that it's probably a factor, but it's such a small factor that you don't even see it. Like it's probably within the range of variation that you see in your analytics that, that it might just be 
blending in there, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It can just mean that it's such a minor factor that you it really isn't worth losing thousands of leads per month in exchange for these like maybe 200 visits that we're losing on the big sites or something because we're like ranking 0.0001 position lower on average or something, you know? So what I can tell you is that pretty much all our sites run pop-ups at this point and we're fine, you know, it's like, and we've managed to rank stuff, etc. Even, you know, that sports site that we mentioned that is doing really well, like at really low DR, etc. We're lower DR than our competitors by quite a lot. We run a pop-up on exit intent on that site. And we'll talk about all of that, these triggers, et cetera, in a minute. But we're running that. And also, same, I rolled that out something like six months, maybe not, maybe like five months ago on that site. And we did like a classic affiliate offer. So it's not really collecting emails. This one is just sending people to an offer. And we didn't notice actually the rankings kept climbing actually on that site. So again, it, I'm not saying it's not a factor because you know, you're going to go to John Mueller and be like, oh, tell you hacker said it's not a factor. And then John Mueller's going to be like, yeah, yeah, it's a factor. And he might be right, but, but, but I'm just saying it's probably not a big factor if it's one. And so he would be right, but he would be lawyering you like Google does all the time, you know? So to go back to Core Web Vitals, we can't tell what's going to happen. Like I can't tell you how big that's going to be, right? But I have a strong suspicion that is going to be the same story. And the reason why I believe it's going to be the same story and why people are going completely overboard over Core Vitals right now, but I don't think it's just going to be like a big, like people will talk about it for a day, then they will notice no change and they'll go back to their life. It's like we live in that little SEO world where everyone knows about all these updates, etc. But Google has to cater for a much larger audience. They have to cater for all these small businesses that you know appear on Google and rely on Google and Google relies on them to provide the content people are searching for that don't follow the news of the updates and uh, everything that's gonna happen and so on. And so when Google does that kind of change, it's usually a very, very gradual change that takes years for it to really be something that really makes an impact on rankings because otherwise they would be penalizing sites that just didn't even know that there was that update because they don't follow John Mueller on Twitter and stuff like that, you know? And so I don't believe that Google is going to roll something like that as a really strong ranking signal on day one. I think it might be like the pop-ups. It might be something that they're increasing that is very slowly turning the dial into being relevant. I think know? there'll be a lot of nuance to it. Like a big part of Core Web Vitals is the way the page loads and then yeah, like yeah. after a second it pushes the content down so like you can't close the pop-up but you end up opting in because you tick the box and things like that it's probably going to be a bigger issue so but if you're running like normal things I, I don't see it being a huge issue either you know what i think as well i think that cdn providers and you know page speed service providers like nitro pack etc will essentially roll the core web vitals into their service because they essentially load a lot of your elements through their own CDN. They would be able to impact the way your page loads. And so they would be able to impact that score of, of core web vitals. And to be frank, I haven't even worked on it at all on our sites because I believe that by the time this is going to become an actual factor we should care about and worry about, there will be essentially software services where you just click on a button and it will just optimize it for you the same way, for example, PageSpeed can be done these days with like the Cloudflare services, with NitroPack, with all these things. And so we can just go back and focus on content and links and all the stuff that requires manual work and like let the software companies handle the tech and just give them some money every month for them to handle that pretty much. I very much believe that's going to be, I'm not saying that on the day one the update rolls out, this is going to happen. Don't come to me from day one, there's no CDN company that offers that. I'm saying by the time this kind of factor becomes relevant, I think there will be, you know, services in the box because there is a market, right? People will be willing to pay for that so that they match with what Google wants. And a company that offers a CDN that optimizes your core web vitals will sell a lot of CDN plans, you know? And so that's why I think it's going to happen. But to go back to opt-in types, let's talk about actually different types of opt-in that you can put on your site. You know what? Go for it. Take it. So I've been rambling got, a lot. You've got your, your standard pop up and we'll talk about the different ways these can be be triggered but the box in the middle of the screen with some some information and some form fields on it a different type of pop up which we've used very very well and we tested this quite a lot and this was the most most effective kind was a welcome mat which basically covers the entire screen when someone lands on a page so actually i disagree this is not the most effective 100 so there's a difference between a welcome mat which is essentially like a piece of content that's loading above your page. And then you, as you scroll down, it's as if the, the rest of the page came up. 
and a takeover pop-up that essentially takes over your screen and you need to close it to access the content that's behind it, right? The takeover pop-up has a higher opt-in rate, but it's also more aggressive and increases your bounce rate a lot, whereas the, the because the welcome mat is a bit nicer because you just get to scroll to get to the content, I prefer the balance of like user-friendliness against opt-in rate for this because it's not that much lower than the takeover pop-up, but actually the full screen takeover pop-up is actually the highest opt-in rate if you want to. I thought they were both called welcome mats. I didn't realize no, that it was the welcome mat is a different take okay. for the scrolling. Yeah. Fine. So th those are the two. I mean, general kinds of, of, of pop-ups you'll have. You also have like a hello bar. You'll often see this. It's like a long stripe at either the top or the bottom of a website that says you know some kind of offer is going on. Or often you'll you'll see that it's targeted specific to users coming from Facebook or coming from another website or coming from a, a specific affiliate I've seen people set them up with. It's pretty cool, but it's people tend to ignore them. And there's a bit of ad blindness going on there. It's like pop-ups, but worse, you know? Yeah, they're, they're not that effective, but they're also far, far less intrusive. So something to consider as well. I think it's part of a balance, right? It's like, for example, you can use the hello bar with an exit pop-up. It's quite nice, for example. So if you don't want like an on-page load pop-up plus an exit pop-up, for example, then you put like a hello bar plus an exit pop-up. And then you need to mix these things together pretty much. It's also, if you have some kind of offer going on on your site, it's quite good to, to just stick up a um, hello bar with that. It's very They're very easy, very fast to create. You don't need to do much visual work with it. So, you know, we do that for some of our launches, uh, I think, as well. So then you have uh, giveaways, which we've talked about before in the, the podcast a long, long time ago. I won't get go into it too much because I don't think it's a great place to start for affiliate sites. And I, I'm, honestly, I'm questioning the, the quality, quality of the, leads of the is, traffic yeah. of the leads that uh, giveaways generates. A lot of people put fake emails in and just, they're just not really interested in what you are, or your business are doing. They just want to win the prize. So a good way of getting a lot of lists. That I was going to say, you get a lot of people. And the, the thing is like, you get a lot of people and for a lot of people, it's enough to motivate them to actually take email marketing seriously. So <laughs> if you're happy to like just email a hundred people that opted into your list, sure, like the pop-up, like because at the beginning you won't get a lot, sure, the pop-up is, is much better quality leads. But if you feel like you need like 2000 people to start emailing people because otherwise it's not worth it for you, then a giveaway is a good way to get these quickly, actually. So, but they're much lower quality. I agree. It depends what you want. And also, it depends how you monetize your email list, and we'll talk about this next week. Because sure, if you're trying to sell your own products, for example, giveaways, you can question it because people might not be interested in your product; they're just interested in getting the price. But if you're selling email advertising, for example, if you're selling exposure to your email list, then usually you get paid by the number of opens or number of clicks, and that might be a good idea to run giveaways to pump your list up and have a lot of people and charge more for your advertising, you know? So another type is a content upgrade. So this is when you have, imagine you had a list post, like seven things about whatever, something. Uh, and then you said, well, do, do you want to get two more things from this list? Well, join the, or sign up and, and, and get them. Often you might see on some sites where it's kind of, uh, grayed out or it's kind of blurred out and you can kind of see it and then you have to enter your email to unlock uh, the the content. It, it's been, I'd say it hasn't been so popular lately. I haven't seen it that often. Like three or four years ago, it was a lot of people were, were doing it. Yeah, you're nice. Six, seven years. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a pain in the ass to like, you know, do it, especially if you're like updating content, you have to like think of updating the, the content upgrades. And generally you create one content upgrade only for one post. So you end up Unless you, you think it through from the start, you end up doing quite a bit more work to create all this content versus a pop-up. You know, you just create one and you put it across your whole site. You can do that in, you know, half an hour or something. Yeah. I still send the wall it for like your highest traffic posts usually. Like usually I like, I like the idea of having these on like my top 10 posts or something. And maybe just reusing those I've made on, you know, the, my top 50 pages, let's say. Like I don't make new ones. I don't take the resources to build new ones, but... If something kind of matches, but not exactly, then just put it on the rest. And then if they get good opt-in rate, you can brainstorm content based on these topics so that you can put these existing ones and you don't have to make another one, you know? And another kind is a standard opt-in box. I don't even know what you call this, but it's like a pop-up, except it's just there fixed somewhere in your in your site. And think of all these like software tools where, you know, like sign up for a free trial. You enter your name and your email list at, at the top. Just it's it's there. We have it on authorityhacker.com. If you scroll to the bottom 
past the related videos, related articles section. I think there's a fixed thing there. It's a two-step one, though. It's like you need to click a button to trigger a pop-up that then triggers your email. So we'll talk about one-step versus two-step as well. We've done a lot of A-B testing on these. But yeah, they work, especially like bottom of post type, like, you know, but at the end of a page, like if you have no call to action, you might as well put that before your footer, for example. That's what we do on our site designs when we collect emails. It's not going to be your best opt-in, but it's also really costing nothing because at this point, people are just going to click back otherwise. And especially if you're not running any kind of ads or, or whatever on, on your site, it's, it's fine to, to, to put something like that in there as well. Let's move on. Let's talk about triggers, shall we? Yeah, okay. So... Triggers are definitely just, I mean, they're mostly for pop-ups. Like, we're, gonna, we're going back to pop-ups. But we're going to talk mostly about pop-ups in this podcast because they're going to be your main way to collect emails, to be frank. So it makes sense which we dedicate more time to them. There's a few ways to trigger your pop-ups. First one I mentioned was on-page load. So as soon as the page loads, you load the pop-up. It is aggressive, but it's also by far the best opt-in rate, usually. And trigger is very important for opt-in rate, by the way. Like, you can trigger the same pop-up. You know, like I think I did the test a long time ago. I did a, there's a blog post on Atari Hacker about this, but essentially, you know, like if I get 10, if I was getting like 10% or whatever on on page load, if I triggered it after 30 seconds, that pop-up would only get like 3%, for example. So that gives you an idea. And so, yeah, you can delay your pop-ups an amount of seconds, but you can also delay your pop-ups to a percentage of page scroll. So if people scroll 20%, 30%, whatever, you can trigger this. And yeah, so you can do these two types of delay. You can also do exit intent. So exit intent is interesting. It is initially a desktop technology that would only, because they would use your mouse movement. And then whenever your mouse would get to the address bar or just to the top part of your browser, then that's when the pop-up triggers. It's very popular because essentially it's less aggressive. You consume the content as much as you want. And then when you show that you're about to leave, it just starts showing the offer. The opt-in rate is all right. For us, it's about, like from the stats we have recently, it's about half of what we get from on-page load. So that puts it there. Uh, but now it works on mobile, actually. Opt-in Monster essentially made an exit intent for mobile. It's not perfect. It's, um, it's basically when you're scrolling down the page and then when you start scrolling back up, looking for the navigation or the address bar, you know how the address bar disappears on mobile when you scroll down, but when you scroll back up, it shows up again. They essentially trigger the pop-up at that point on mobile. But the thing is, if you're on an iPhone, for example, you have these back buttons, for example, or even on Android, you have it on top, but on iPhone, you have it at the bottom. And so you could be clicking this back button without triggering the pop-up, which means that this exit intent on mobile is not my favorite, to be honest. Usually, what I do is the exit pop-up that I have on desktop, I put it on like... 30 second trigger or something like this on mobile or something like a, a long one, basically. So it's like if I have usually I run like for the most aggressive opt-ins when email is my main goal on the site, I put on page load and I put exit intent. That's basically I run two pop-ups and I run very often two different offers or two different angles so that it's not like just the same thing popping up twice, but rather something a little bit new. So if they didn't take the first one, they might take the second one. And on mobile, I... It depends, actually. On mobile, it depends. Often I do the, I replace the pop-up with a hello bar, the on-page load pop-up with a hello bar, and then I might put a 30-second trigger for the exit pop-up, pretty much. I would have a hello bar and and a 30-second trigger on mobile or something. So it depends on on what works for you, but I prefer that. There's actually a new trigger as well that Elementor has added recently, which is the inactivity uh, trigger. So if people like stop interacting with your page for X seconds, then it triggers the pop-up as well. So if you change tab and you come back, then you might find a pop-up that wasn't here, something like this. This is going to be low opt-in rate, probably. The best usually is, the more aggressive you go, the better it works, right? It's like, I did that presentation on Evergreen Funnels when I went to DCPKK, and I was saying like, uh, the cheesiest you are and the more in your face you are with your offer, the better it works. And I haven't been proven wrong, even if it just pisses a lot of people off so far. So (laughs) I'm waiting to see that. Now, in terms of tools, what we recommend for you to run these things, there's basically three that we would recommend. I know a lot of people don't like them anymore, but Thrivelead is still really quite competitive in terms of the the opt-in space, much more than they are in the page builder space. I think they're more competitive on the opt-in space than they are on the page builder space, Thrive. And what's nice with them is that they don't charge you per impression. The other tools tend to now charge you, like, you know, when you have 100,000 impressions, 200,000 impressions, it gets quite expensive if you have a lot of traffic. Whereas private leads, you buy the plugin once, and if you're on the updates, you pay yearly, but it's like 67 bucks. 
it's very cheap compared to the competition. So if you want to start, it's quite good. The A-B testing is quite good. The database stuff with all your leads is very hard to open when it gets big and you can get, you can fuck up your site a bit when you get big. But to start, I think is the best the best priced solution that is the most robust, and I would recommend it. After that, there's two tools that I would recommend you look at. Uh, we use Optin Monster on our sites. We kind of have, uh, you know, recently what Optin Monster did, people bought a lifetime like four or five years ago, like they were selling lifetime plans, and they just kicked everyone out of the lifetime and like, sorry, your lifetime is expired. <laughs> you have to pay monthly or yearly now. So a lot of people are pissed off at Optin Monster, and I understand with what they did. I'm not, I'm not trying to defend them. But as a tool, like if I don't think about their company policies, they do a pretty good job. It's quite solid. It's quite reliable. They have a good integration with Google Analytics. That's quite interesting if you do more tracking. The builder is average. It's less nice than Thrive Leads. And then the other alternative that actually has a one-off price as well, but you need to find the link. We'll try to put it in the podcast below, actually. It's ConvertBox. ConvertBox is from the same guys who made ThriveCart, which is also the checkout solution that we use. So if you bought a course from ours, you've seen ThriveCart, for example. No relation to Thrive Leads, by the way. Totally yeah, it's weird. Company. It's weird, but yeah, it's, a, it's another company. And so I like it. I think it's a, it, it has less options, but it's, it's kind of like ThriveCart. It's the, you don't have all the options you want, but everything it does, it does in a solid way. And you can buy it as a one-off and you can do A-B testing with all these tools, by the way, which is going to be quite important. And we're going to talk about this later. That's all the tools I had for this. Do you want to talk about mobile and tablet? Yeah, I mean, the only thing I really want to say here is that you have to take a total separate approach when you're making pop-ups for, for each platform, for mobile and for desktop. Not just because of the, the targeting and like the, I know OptiMonster has X intent, but in the days when that wasn't a possibility on, on mobile, but just the size of everything, the layout, how people are going to interact with it. So all I wanted to say is like, do this separately and don't, yeah. don't do the desktop. I know when people been building sites, sometimes people are like, oh, I'll build a desktop site or I'll build mobile first and then whatever happens with the other one happens kind of thing. But that, that ain't going to fly with, uh, with pop-ups. Yeah, we tend to run a different one completely. In general, just... Much simpler design has worked better for us. Like the opt-in pop-up on mobile on Atari Hacker is really high opt-in rate right now. Like we like it's like five percent something, which is pretty good for a site-wide pop-up that's not category targeted, etc. There's no images on it, right? There's zero. There's just like a headline, like three bullet points, and just an opt-in field, you know. And then um, it works really well. So the simpler, the better on mobile because. Maybe you have like a modern phone that has like high resolution screen where you can display a lot of things, etc. But a lot of people are still on like 720p phones with like low res screens. They can't display even all the stuff you're putting. They, if you need to scroll the pop-up to read the content, it's already a problem. So usually the simpler, the better for the mobile pop-ups. And I would recommend you just run a different one. And all the tools that we mentioned, they can they allow you to target, you know, mobile or desktop, tablet, etc. So make use of these. Now let's talk about what to sell on your pop-up and pop-up angles in general, right? So there's one angle that we mentioned that's not about collecting emails. So I'm just going to mention it because it's also pop-ups and it's linked to this. It's just the pure affiliate where you just, you build a pop-up that's just a button, a call to action to an affiliate offer. So the example I gave is like you find, like one thing that we have on one of our sites is we have the discount section of an affiliate store that we're promoting. You know, they run daily discounts that rotate every 24 hours and between 10 and 40% off. And the pop-up just says, grab, you know, save 10 to 40% on these items, click here to check the discounts. And then if people click, it's our affiliate link and we get paid. And I put a little timer that just expires at midnight and restarts because they refresh their sales every 24 hours. So it kind of makes sense anyway. So that's like the pure affiliate. I don't give a shit about collecting emails, which I think a lot of people will still identify with that listen to this podcast. Now, one thing that I like if you want to start collecting emails, but you're doing this, is you can make a hybrid method. You know how you go, how when you go on e-commerce stores, they don't just run a call to action pop-up very often. They're like, put your email to get 5% discount or 10% discount, and then you give them your email, and then they just email you a coupon, you know? You can do the same with your affiliate site. You can say, save 10 to 40% on these items, enter your email, and we'll send you to a discount. And what you do, is like people put their email, so it goes into your CRM or whatever email tool you're using. And we'll talk about email tools in the other podcasts, by the way. And then after that, you can decide where you redirect people after they opt in, right? You have a, a success URL field when you build a pop-up. And that success URL, you put an affiliate link. 
And what, especially if you put an affiliate link to like that discount section on that shop, what happened is you collected their email, so you have them, you can contact them again, and now you send them to your affiliate link the same way you did with your call to action pop-up, except now you can contact them again and make some follow-up emails to promote usually the same offer because people showed interest in this by opting in. So it's better to have you know two to three follow-up emails on that offer. That's what I would recommend to do. Uh, you will get less clicks. Obviously, if it's just a button to click, people will click more but you will build an email list at the same time. So it's kind of like rebalancing and the follow-up emails might make up for the, the lower amount of clicks because you'll make a bit less money as well. So that's the hybrid, the hybrid pop-up when you start being an affiliate, but you want to start building emails. Then there's the classic promote your lead magnet. So like, you know, five ways to lose weight, 10 ways to jump higher, whatever it is that you're promoting on your site. This is actually a niche, you know, like for the basketball niche, jumping, jumping higher. higher. Jumping well, higher, enough, yeah, yeah for the bas basketball, volleyball, etc. There are full info products on how to jump higher, actually, with workouts and everything. So not a joke. Uh, <laughs> and then there's another thing that I don't like that much, but it's quite popular. I think Neil Patel runs it, is the gamified wheel. Well, essentially, it's like, uh, I'll have a chance to win something. Or sometimes e-commerce stores, they say, have a chance to get a 50% off coupon or something like this. Join in and essentially, it's kind of like a giveaway, but run automatically by your software. So not all tools can do it, but uh, something like Optin Monster can do it, for example. And they have the option. So you can do that. So I, like a spin the wheel type thing. Yes. You know, they have this, I'm sure people have seen that. You know, they have this kind of like half wheel illustration and like the email field and it's like. Are they legit? Like, is someone actually going to win 50% off or do they all just land on the same number? I mean, I guess it depends how you set it up, right? Like, I'm sure Optin Monster did not, I haven't used it. I don't like this angle. I much prefer, I don't like, because again, it's kind of like giveaway angle. People are not that interested. I much prefer, I mean, yeah, I don't think Optin Monster built that without giving you an opportunity to make it legit. I don't think they would do that. <laughs> so I think you can make it legit. I think you can make it also illegitimate, you know, and just be like, you lost. But like, if you already lost, like, what is your attitude towards a brand where you just opted in? And you're like, ah, I'm just fucking like you don't care anymore about. I them, think you know? in general is of what was if it's gonna around a discount or something, and like people are signing up to get a discount. It's like, are those really like the best types of people you want to, you know, at that stage? If you sign up for a discount, it's different because you're expressing commercial intent when you sign up for a discount. So I think it's a good thing, but like for the chance of winning something is a bit different because you're you're looking for free stuff. And then it's like you're much less interesting lead from a commercial point of view. Yeah. So yeah, I wanted to talk about one step versus two steps pop-ups as well. So one step is when you know you show a pop-up and there's just the field where you put your email and you press the submit button, right? And then the two steps is basically when you say, hey, do you want to lose 10 pounds? Yes, no. And then you click yes. And it's like, click here to download my 26 recipes to lose 10 pounds, you know, something. And so that's the second step that pops after you click on the yes button. I think the the idea, the psychology behind is this the getting is- the yes, if, yeah. If, yeah, if people say yes to one thing, they're more likely to keep going and say yes to the next thing. So it supposedly increased the opt-in rate. It did for a while, right? So for like several years, we like, again, that's like when we started testing with that, it was a long time ago, it was like five, six years ago. And two steps was really like 20 to 30% more efficient than one step. But actually the habits of the internet have changed and I retested it like two years ago. And then that the opposite happened, like one step beat two step by quite a bit actually, just going straight up to the, uh, to the just opt in and that's it. Was doing better, mostly I guess because this two step was so powerful that a lot of people started using it. So people getting, you know, got used to this and then one step started beating it. And you know, opt-in rates decreased during that time as well, as I mentioned. So it's like, I think, yeah, I think there was just an erosion of like people opting into these things and then two-step maybe got even more erosion than one step. But overall, overall, it's one of these things you want to test. It's one of these A-B tests you want to run when you do A-B testing and we'll talk about this in a second, but one step is fine. You will read old blog posts that say two-step so much better. It was the case, but like even, it's funny because I talked with the guys from private teams as well and they did the same test on their pop-ups and they got the exact same results as us, like exactly the same. And they 100% agree, they were like, yep, that's one of our most important tests. So yeah, one step is fine. And don't worry too much about it. Don't make something too complicated to get started at least and test it later. Do you want to talk about fields? Yeah, so the standard, the simplest version here is you just have an email opt-in and then people enter the email and click a button and, and that's them sign into the list. They'll get the lead magnet and stuff, obviously. 
A lot of people put a second field, they put name. And the thinking there is that that allows people to, that allows the uh, website to personalize the emails and say, hi, Mark, or hi, Gail, at the start of the, the email, rather than just hi there. And it's been proven pretty conclusively that if you personalize an email like that, people are more likely to buy, people are more likely to engage with your list. Now, the flip side of that is that people are actually less likely to join the list because there's an extra field. And I know it seems like such a crazy thing. It's like, well, if you want that lead magnet, what typing typing your name, you know, M-A-R-K, it's not exactly difficult. But I don't know, it just it gets less opt-ins. Yeah, we got now, like 10 to 15% less opt-ins when we put the name. You could argue that those 10 to 15% people were maybe not that serious about it and they were more just kind of browsing rather than like, oh, I'm really interested in this. So I don't know, this is something I think would need to be tested a little bit more if you have like a long funnel and proper analytics and all that kind of We're stuff. We're building that now, actually. I'm quite curious We don't have this. that all up. Yeah, we don't have all the, that <laughs> tracking through to the actual purchase and all that set up fully yet. We are building it, so we'll be able to give you more data on that once once it's up. But yeah, what do you say, 10 to 15% fewer opt-ins when you have... Name it's been a while well. we tested as well, right? So it's like, again, it's like if I run the test today, it might be quite different numbers, but yeah, it was... I can't remember exactly. I think, yeah, yeah, around 10 to 15. It was like significant, but also not crazy, you know? So, but like, yeah, it's you still lose some people. So I tend to prefer making as low barrier to entry. And talking about barrier to entry, let's talk about single versus double opt-in. So what is double opt-in? Double opt-in is when you opt into an email list and essentially they're like, check your inbox and click on the link on the email we just sent you to confirm your email address. You click. You get on a thank you page, like, thank you, you're on the list now. And what it does is it makes sure that the email address that you opted in with exists. And so it makes a higher quality email list for the sender and make sure you receive the emails on your end, right? The thing is, like, you really lose a lot of people on double opt-in. Like, this was, like, 30% plus when we tested it as well. This was a lot of people. It doesn't mean that these people are not people who would buy your products. It doesn't mean anything like that. It just means that they can't be bothered or they're like, you know, they opted in, let's say they were on their mobile, they opted in the bus, the bus arrived, uh, and then they just didn't have time to go in their email, then the email got buried and it's like, see you later, you know? I mean, we check our emails all the time, or at least I do. I you know do, you never yeah. check those, but <laughs> uh, be, like most people who are listening to this, watching this, work on a website, they're working a lot with their own email inbox, and most likely if they get, if you send them an email, they'll get any, they'll be... Checking it really quickly, right? But the vast majority of the general public don't check their email all the time. They don't have their G Suite tab opened in, uh, you know, a pinned tab on Chrome and are answering and have desktop notifications set up and all that. They maybe check it like once a day or, you know, sometimes even less than that. So there is a real, real drop off right there. Yeah. So I recommend to not use it. And the thing is, like, some email tools will force you to use it. Can't, I'm not sure Mailchimp is Aweber. Can't remember which ones. Like I haven't used much else than Active Campaign for many years at this point. So Active Campaign doesn't force you to do that, but some tools will. And my preferred way of doing this is to keep everyone in the email list, not double opt-in. But then we have an automation that checks if people have opened an email in the last 60 days when they opt-in. And if they did not, you know, we have an autoresponder that sends them like an email a week or something. And if they didn't touch anything in 60 days, they just get plain unsubscribed, you know? And so we remove the inactive emails and the shitty ones by just testing for their engagement through sending them content rather than having that specific step where they do that. Uh, it means that you get some junk emails for the first 60 days. But over time, especially as your list gets bigger and you have many more people that you email, etc., it's such a small percentage that it's not going to affect things like deliverability, etc. And I wouldn't worry too much about it. So it's just an engagement checking sequence that then unsubscribes people is better than double opt-in. But the reason why email providers make you do double opt-in is because for them, it's better that you double opt-in so that they have like a cleaner reputation and their overall service has better deliverability. So they kind of force their customers to do that. But for your own interest, it's not the best, actually. So that's an opinion. People might have other ones, but I'm curious to hear. If people have an opinion, just drop a comment on YouTube. I'm curious about that. Uh, let's talk about A-B testing. Most of the tools, I mean, all the tools I mentioned offer A-B testing. If you do pop-ups on like Elementor, for example, that has a pop-up tool, there's no A-B testing, there's no analytics, etc., which is why I did not recommend it in the tools list. It's really worth doing. We have done some A-B tests that increased our opt-in by 70%. And the thing is like, 
A-B testing with pop-up is easy, unlike, you know, A-B testing, you know, page to sell affiliate products, etc. Or you need to check the tracking on the affiliate product against the change of layout on your page. This is all integrated, right? This tool counts, these tools count like how many people saw the pop-up, how many people opted in, and then they just do all the A-B tests. It's very, very simple to do. So it's worth doing. I'm going to give you an order of things to test. So the first thing that I would test is the trigger. It's funny, but like, as I said, the same pop-up trigger differently could get three times less opt-ins. So I tend to test the trigger first. Like, you know, you could test on page load, two seconds, five seconds, 10 seconds, exit in 10, for example, and then see what happens. The headline is one of the biggest ones. It's funny because the copy of the pop-up is actually the last on my list, but like, I'm probably going to at some point do a test where I put some lorem in the copy to just show how little it matters. It's just people just read the headline usually and they just decide to opt in or not. So A-B test the headline after the trigger, the CTA on the bottom, and the design, and then the copy. That's how it works for me. And I have found very little effect of changing the words I put in the actual like bullet points or something like this. People don't really read this too much. They, they care more about what it looks like, when it triggers, and what the headline promises, and that's how they decided. Where does the color of the button fit, uh, fit into this? Then? Uh, I mean, button CTA for me was more text, you know? So I like to put the benefits in my CTA. So rather than like sign up, I'd be like, get your recipes now, or something like this. Like, um, or like, uh, start losing weight today, or so. You know what I mean? Like, I put like a benefit because then people are like, if I click on that button, I'm going to start losing weight. It's not true, but like, there's that, that like diesel brain or something that just thinks that, you know. <laughs> that was a joke, by the way. I, re- I remember like back in the early days when we first started doing opt-in pop-ups, we were like testing the button color and stuff like that as one of the first things. Like, yeah, you no can test it in there. It doesn't matter. Results, yeah. It doesn't matter that much, but like the, the text matters actually. The text you have on the button and the kind of like emotional response it creates does matter. It's not like... You're not going to double your opt-in rate with a better text, but you know you could get a 10-15% increase with the right text. And so it's one of the tests that's definitely worth running, actually. So yeah, A-B testing, just check the help files of the tool you're going to pick. They're all different. But even Thrialis has pretty robust A-B testing, despite that it's a one-off cost. So I recommend, I recommend you do it. And really, you will start seeing the benefits after a few A-B tests of the opt-in pop-ups. Like, your first pop-up is, not, is going to be OK, but not great. After you've done two or three tests, you will start getting proper opt-in rates, especially if you test in that order. And then that's when you can start doing some damage, basically. So finally, I want to talk about the the thank you page. So that's after someone's opted in, where do you direct them to? Back in the day, a lot of people would just deliver the lead magnet there on the the thank you page. But virtually all of these pop-up software allow you to redirect people elsewhere. So the idea is that you get people to opt in, they opt in, and then you land on some kind of page where it says, okay, we'll email this to you in the next five minutes, 10 minutes. So they know it's coming, but then you present them with some kind of commercial offer. If you have your own product, it could be something for, you know, where you're selling your own product, discount or something. But, and this is what's really good, if you're an affiliate site, you can put links to affiliate offers on there. And because you have people very interested in this stuff, you can get you know a lot of people clicking on these these, these links and, and make some sales. We did that on Health Emission. Um, yeah, so not for It worked basically. really well. Actually. Yeah, it works. It works okay. And on top of that, you can follow up with people on like more offers, etc. So it's like, don't just like be get hang up on the money you make from this because you're gonna make money from email on top of that. So it's kind of like a one-two combo that works pretty well. You can also that's when you can like start trying to sell your own products as well. That's how we grew Authority Hacker. Remember. We had an opt-in, we had lead magnets and we had an opt-in. And on the thank you page, I made like a really basic sales page for a $29 product called opt-in pop-up. Double your leads. No, no, no. Double your leads was the second one. Opt-in, opt-in pop-up mastery, actually. Exactly. It's like, actually, yeah. it's funny, funny. because we're, we're going back to the origins right now. Yeah, full circle. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it was showing people like a lot of these tricks that I mentioned. Now we just give it for free. <laughs> but yeah, so that it was 29 bucks. So. You're welcome for that podcast, by the way. But it's like, um, we, we sold quite a bit. And then from that, that worked well. Then I built a $300 upsell that was called Double Your Leads. That was like all the other email stuff that we had. And then that worked really well as well. And it's like, we're like, oh, like we're doing quite well. And then that's what triggered Autori Hacker Pro. And that's what triggered pretty much everything you know today from Autori Hacker. So you can see how this initial 
thing that really wasn't much. I built a I, it was five videos of Tin Pop Up Masteries. Like it was nothing. It, I mean, it was good for what it was, but it was not that much work to do. And it worked. It's what triggered what Atari Hacker is today. If I didn't do that little funnel at the beginning, we probably wouldn't have made like all the trainings we've done today and like have that many students and so on. And so I think it's a good case study of like what these small things can eventually trigger once you get kind of like a chain of success and something works and then you optimize it and something works and you optimize it and so on. So it's a, if you're interested in info products, all these, in selling info products, all this stuff that we've mentioned today, you can do it for that or you can do it with affiliate. And in the podcast where we talk about monetizing an email list, we'll talk about, you know, affiliate and also making your own products. Or you can start with affiliates and then transition to your own products, which is also what we did on Atari Hacker, for example. So yeah, it's a, you can, your thank you page is your most important page, as they say, and it's really true. It's, you know, if you've put a sales page out to sell something just publicly and you've made no sell, very often putting that same sales page on your thank you page will actually start generating some sales and uh, yield a lot of results. It's counterintuitive to put a barrier to get to your sales page, but from experience, it works really well, actually. So, yeah, that's all I had to say on, on pop-ups and uh, this lead generation, etc. Any final words of wisdom? No, I think that's been pretty exhaustive. I don't know what that word is, but uh, I agree. But uh, thank you for joining, guys. If you enjoy this kind of podcast, if you want us to talk more about like funnels, lead generation, email marketing, etc., drop us a comment below because we tend to stick to SEO because when we look at the stats, people tend to prefer listening to SEO stuff. But we know a lot about funnels and, and all these things and email and everything. And we're going to do that other podcast regardless of the stats of this podcast. But I'm quite interested to hear if our audience is ready to venture a little bit outside of just affiliate SEO or if you want us to essentially stick to these affiliate SEO topics. If you enjoy that, you can also obviously subscribe both on the audio platforms for the podcast and on YouTube. You can drop us a thumb up as well. It really helps. And we will see you next week for another episode. Bye.